Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. One thing you love about Vegas entertainment is the feeling that you're seeing something unique. It could be a Cirque du Soleil show or maybe a four show, which is unique to Vegas. And when the superstars come to town, they often kick it up a notch. Take Aerosmith, one of the great residencies in town. You may notice that as part of their big hit, Dream On, there's actually a classical cellist playing along, giving the song an even richer sound. That cellist is Sarah Chaffee, and you'll meet her today. Also on today's show is America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin, who discusses what to do if you take your own bottle of wine to your favorite restaurant. Finally, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is here to tell us about an awful thing called surge pricing. One of the greatest concerts I ever went to was a Metallica concert in San Francisco where they played with the San Francisco Symphony. I love the concept of mixing rock and classical music. And boy, do we have a great guest with us, Sarah Chaffee. She's the principal cellist for David Perico's Pop String Orchestra, which is great. You know that. And she also does it with Aerosmith. That is so cool. Well, Sarah, Aerosmith, is this something you've always wanted to do? Because I'm thinking, what a great opportunity to uh, mix those great sounds <laughs> yeah honestly i if you had told me when i was little that i could have had a career like this i probably would not have believed you um because when you grow up playing a classical instrument you know you basically believe that you're going to end up stuck playing in the section in an orchestra until you die <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's it's a little hard when you're growing up in the classical world and when you're going to conservatory to even be aware that there are so many alternative career paths out there. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely an alternative <laughs> that I'm very happy with. Well, you got to go to her website, too. Uh, she goes by Cello Bat. I love that. Uh, and you've got a mission, the Cello Bat mission, and this is fantastic, and it's kind of what we're talking about here. First of all, to break those stereotypes, because you're exactly right. If I say cello to somebody, they're thinking of one of two things. They're either thinking of somebody in a tuxedo and in a symphony orchestra, or maybe Buddy Sorrell in the old Dick Van Dyke show, because he used to play a cello. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, a lot of people also associate the cello with like the the soundtrack of the saddest, most depressing part of the movie. <laughs> I get that a lot too. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, the cello! It's so it's so passionate." But so you know, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely been one of my missions to kind of break that association and that stereotype that people have about classical instruments. And I'm really thankful that out here in Vegas, I've managed to be able to create a career that helps out with that, especially. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I play with David Perico's Pop Strings Orchestra here in town. And one of my very favorite things is when I get to play a solo with them 
And someone in the audience comes up to me afterward and says, I have never seen anything like that before. <laughs> that is amazing to me. I love being able to introduce people to that other side of the instrument. They should go see David's show. That is fantastic. But if you can't get there, you're waiting to go. Tonight, you ought to go to YouTube and look you up because you've got such great songs and a, and a diverse songbook of some of the greatest stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, she can't pull this off. And I watched it. And you end up, you know, oh, wow, I've been here for a couple hours. Look at this. This is great. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I mean, is that something you, you hear a song and you go, I can make that work? Do you do that? Sometimes. Um, honestly, there are some artists where I hear something and I'm immediately like, oh, man, that would sound amazing on strings. But actually, it's funny because some of my favorite arrangements have been songs where it was a commission uh, for a wedding or something like that. And I got the request and I listened to it and I was like, what, like, how is this ever going to happen? And just the process of working through that and doing the adaptations uh, to make it sound cool on strings sometimes brings out some of my best work, I think. So sometimes it comes from that too. I always love doing the Beatles because they're very easy, but uh, you know, when it's, time for rihanna or kanye west i do not shy away from that either that's and that's what's fun about going through those youtube things i remember one time being at a a place where they had these the strings were playing and it was one of those type of uh you picture it you know the champagne drinks and you're sitting in a big (laughs) room and then walking around all of a sudden i'm going wait a minute I hear Led Zeppelin, you know, and they were able to pull that off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have a particular group? Well, you said the Beatles because you like to, and everybody knows that and so forth. Is there another one that was really a challenge that you thought, wow, this really works uh, with strings? There are actually, there's a lot of metal songs that I've ended up doing that have actually translated surprisingly well. Uh, like one of my one of my recent favorite videos that I've put up was uh, a cello duet version of Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Oh, wow. Um, that one is a lot of fun to play. Some of that early metal, like, you'd be surprised how cool it ends up sounding on cello. <laughs> the oh, vocal yeah. range is really great for the instrument, and, of course, you can get down there to those low guitar notes, too, so that's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it ju- it just translates well. It was like I was saying in the open with Metallica. I was not a huge. I liked Metallica, but I, I wasn't one of these people that just had you know the entire collection. And yet, it was one of the best things I ever heard. It was so great. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny because actually one of my very first really big influences in terms of this style of career was a cello quartet group called Apocalyptica. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, but that sounds um, vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been in town. They've played shows in town and um they're pretty well known at this point. They um it's four guys who do cello quartet arrangements of I mean all sorts of different stuff, but they started off doing Metallica covers. And so their very first album is called Plays Metallica by Four Cellos. And I started listening to them uh, when I was, I think, 14, 13 or 14. And that was one of the first things that really kind of showed me that there was an alternative to the typical classical career out there. In fact, I remember being at home when I was in high school and my parents would leave and I was supposed to be practicing my concertos or whatever, but instead I would 
put on an Apocalyptica CD and play along to Nothing Else Matters. Well, how does somebody get into that? I mean, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic instrument. Symphony music is wonderful. We get that, you know, it, but it's not, everybody wants to be a rock star, right, when they're young. <laughs> what, what drove you to that instrument? I, I find that fascinating. Well, I don't particularly remember like a moment when I decided to pick up the cello because I actually was four when I started playing. You know, there are different classical methods out there that are specifically made for young children. So a lot of people do start at that age, but I always grew up around music. Uh, My dad is actually a lifelong musician and music educator and my mom sings. And so there was always music around and I I'm pretty sure what happened was my parents just brought me to a music store one day for something my dad needed, and I saw a cello in there, and I was like, oh, that one looks cool. Yeah, <laughs> when you're four, it was bigger than you, I assume. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do make little tiny cellos for children, actually. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> Back with more from Vegas cellist Sarah Chaffee in just a moment. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps online. For the very best in Vegas, it's VegasNeverSleeps.com. And for great sports, it's Sports RACX, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports RACX. Later today on the Sports and Tours, we discuss the first season of Vince Lombardi in Green Bay, which led to one of the greatest dynasties in the history of pro sports. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. 
Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Sarah Chaffee, who presents incredible metal and pop covers around town and on YouTube. In fact, her electronic cello cover of Lady Gaga's Bad Romance has chalked up more than 50,000 views. I would think growing up in a family like that, it, it, it must really raise the bar because unlike another place where, yeah, that sounds great, nobody else can sing or whatever, when somebody can sing, somebody can play instruments, they understand this, they probably hold you to a high standard, which which lets you get as good as you did so quickly. Yeah, actually, it was really, really helpful for me to grow up with the father that I have, <laughs> uh, because, well, he was actually my high school orchestra director, too. So um, I had him first period in high school for four years. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about that was that um, <clears throat> my dad has actually created a lot of music education curriculum. Um, like, he has written a rhythm method book and uh, a composition method program and stuff like that. And he also plays guitar he plays drums and he got me to start doing some basic improvisation at a pretty young age and i think that has been one of the most hugely helpful things honestly in that career because a lot of string players really have no background in improv uh but that's the kind of thing that helps you get and keep a lot of gigs out here in vegas so i'm definitely thankful to have grown up with my dad, uh, kind of teaching me his curriculum from a young age and making sure that I did have that solid foundation in the fundamentals of music. That's helped me out a lot. Well, yeah, it just seems that that would be a place where it would take you to a different level because I think a lot of people can get pretty proficient on instruments playing what they've been taught to play and they they never mm-hmm. step out of line. If you can do that kind of thing where you can improvise, I got to think it, it maybe even changes the way you... Approach the music. Yes, yeah, that's definitely true. It's, um, and I think that's definitely been part of why I ended up becoming a string arranger as well. Uh, just having, you know, because when you grow up classical, you kind of are taught that whatever is written on the page is the law. You know, you can't yeah. deviate from exactly the markings that Mozart put down in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, like you got to stick with it no matter what. And so there's not a lot of interpretation going on in terms of the actual notes involved. But I think that probably the improvisation aspect and having that at a young age kind of did give me more of an understanding that it doesn't have to be so black and white. And you can make creative changes to music and you can approach things a little differently. And the expression part of it can sometimes take priority over doing exactly what's printed on the page. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's where the real art of it, I would think, would come, you know, and I, I would I would love that. I would think that would be a great challenge to take something and kind of put your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really a great 
mental exercise. And then it's almost kind of a magical moment when I'm actually able to get together with my friends and play things with them in real life that I've written. Like hearing the arrangements that I've written come to life via my beautiful and talented friends is always one of the highlights of my life, honestly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So are you, you're not one of these people that in the middle of the night you're up trying to write an opera or a symphony, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am on a night owl schedule, which is what happens when with pop strings yeah. we're playing gigs from usually 10.30 at night until after midnight, uh, two nights a week for three years. But uh, I it doesn't usually keep me up at night. In fact, I I try really hard to keep myself on a schedule when I'm arranging, um, especially because I do write a lot of commissions and that is an hourly rate that I charge for those. (laughs) So I do try to keep myself on more of a schedule and I don't really get into composition so much. Uh, String arranging is my main thing. I've never really been into starting from scratch and writing my own music. Um, I find that I do a lot better when I have something to base it off of. I have something to work with. Um, and then I can kind of do my own creative thing within that framework. How did the pandemic affect you then? Because I'm thinking, you know, you play all the time and now suddenly you got no place to play. Well, I mean, you can play at home, but you can't go out and do what you love, which is to entertain people. Yeah, it has been very interesting with the pandemic going on a lot of what i do has not been happening you know the aerosmith show has been shut down for a little over a year the park theater hasn't been open um i also do you know the pop strings residency has not been going on and i do a lot of corporate work usually um i play sometimes with an awesome electric string quartet called bella electric strings Mm -hmm. and with the conventions not happening there has not been much of that either but thankfully um i've been able to make things work in different ways. And I'm very glad that my network of musician friends and colleagues is also very resourceful in that way. More with the master of the cello, Sarah Chaffee, in just a few moments. Now, some restaurants are insisting that they continue using QR codes to present their menus. The reason they give is for COVID protection. Well, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, says that the reason may be surge pricing. What is that? Well, let's ask Scott. One thing you wrote about that I found fascinating, and I think people need to be aware of it, and I hadn't heard of it before, and that's something called surge pricing. So depending on when you eat your hamburger or... uh, ice cream or something may be different priced. How does that work? Yeah, well, I think uh, surge pricing in restaurants is fairly new. Obviously, in nightclubs, say, when the demand is higher, there's surge pricing. The, the amount you pay at the door is going to be different based on how full the place is. In the restaurant world, the way you can see if they're doing surge pricing is if you go to the website and you look at the menu at a given restaurant, if there are no prices, more than likely, those prices can vary based upon their demand. They're not putting a price because they want the flexibility to change that price. If there's a long wait, let's jack it up on a Saturday night, let's get a little premium on that. And obviously in the ride sharing world, that's 
that's where surge pricing, most people are familiar with surge pricing, but it, it also happens in really in almost any part of Las Vegas. Because if you think about a typical blackjack table, if there's no demand, everybody's got a $5 table. If it's packed and there's, there's no empty seats, suddenly it's a $10 table or a $25 table. So a lot of strip casinos, every table is surge pricing. Your min the minimum that you pay is based on demand. It's just very evident in the restaurant world because if you see that menu with no price, you better, ch you better ask because it could very well be that Saturday night, you're gonna pay an extra surcharge and they're, the, you know, the, the menu they have in the restaurant's gonna have the prices, but they've got another set of menus that's, a, that's at a different price. Thanks, Scott. Make sure to visit Scott's webpage, VitalVegas.com, to stay up to date with everything that happens in Vegas. And don't forget to follow Sports Rock and Tours, which follows this show on most of these stations. You can also visit Sports RACX wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. I'm Bobby Brooks Wilson, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are chatting with Sarah Chaffee, who enjoys destroying classical music stereotypes by creating her own innovative versions of popular songs. Um, I've been doing a lot of recording from home and taking part in collaborative projects. I think one of the one of the coolest for me personally was I actually got to do a collaborative video uh, last Easter with Lady Antebellum for their Instagram. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I've also I've gotten to do a bunch of great remote collaborative projects with people, and I've thankfully it's studio recording work has still been going on to a degree because, you know, when you're in a studio, there's usually only maybe two or three other people there, max, <laughs> and there's room enough for distance and all that. So I've been able to do some studio recording for people around town. And thankfully, no matter what else is going on in the world, it seems like people still want to get married. So I have been playing a lot of weddings over the last year, too. Oh, that's great. So yeah, so we can hire you. That Wow, that's a really something. <laughs> and I think that would be a great sound for, you know, as, as, a, as opposed to the, uh, the, the wedding singer and so forth, you know, that you see the movies and the guys <laughs> with the really bad tuxedos. Oh, wow, I think that would be great. Uh, we, before we go, we got to make sure we tell people how they can get a hold of you. But I want to talk to you about the Aerosmith thing. I know that's been put on yeah. hold because of this, but I know that like Steven Tyler loves this stuff. He even put it on his Instagram. Dream On <laughs> is Dream On looks like it was made for what you do, though. It's just a perfect song for it. 
<laughs> I love that song. That is one of the ones that we get to do on stage with them every night of the show. Um, I don't want to miss a thing being another one. That one's kind of my favorite because I get to play that cello solo at the beginning. But uh, yeah, Dream On is a lot of fun to play. I actually, I've missed that one so much that I ended up recording a cello quartet cover of it with my friend, <laughs> which is also on YouTube. But um, it's been amazing to do the Aerosmith residency. Honestly, it's been a dream job. And hopefully with things reopening in June, we'll be able to start that up again soon. But honestly, everybody in the band has been super nice to us. Um, everyone has been very welcoming and making us feel at home. Just everyone in the band, in the crew, the other backup musicians. It's been a really, really great environment. And getting to rise up on a platform with Steven Tyler yes. <laughs> in front of a packed audience at the park is definitely something that I never in a million years would have thought I'd be able to do. So it's been a dream come true. And well, I, I hope I can keep dreaming on when yeah. the show comes back. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know, quite frankly, uh, from what we understand, that you know, a lot of people come in to play Vegas and residencies are really popular, but I'd say Aerosmith's right there with Lady Gaga as the two must-sees. I mean, everybody talks about it. And I think it's for doing things special, like kicking the songs up a notch, bringing you in, and having you do that is just... And I love that other song. I'd, I, I would love to hear how you do it. You know, I don't want to miss a thing. It's a great... One of the great Aerosmith ballads. Fantastic yes. song. But you can you can do it all. I'm looking at a list of the people you you, you worked at the Latin Grammy Awards. Mm -hmm. uh, Motley Crue. What song did you do with Motley Crue? <laughs> We did Home Sweet Home. Um, we got to play with them for the iHeartRadio Music Festival a few years back. And they were super nice, too. It's like, you know, like Tommy Lee comes over and he's like, hey, I'm Tommy. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun to do that with them. Um, and we did manage to get off the stage after our song before the their insane pyro for Kickstart My Heart lit our hair on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, that's sort of like when ACDC plays, you know, when the cannons come out, it's like, you kind of, you hang around that too much, you're not going to be able to hear after a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's, yeah, that's just one of many, that's honestly, it's amazing to be a musician here in this town in particular because events like that are held here often and, there are a lot of people who you wouldn't think about who have backing strings for their performances or their residencies. Um, and I have a lot of other string player friends who get to do cool things like that, too. Like some of my best friends uh, play with Celine Dion and Rod Stewart and Shania Twain. So um, I'm very thankful to be a part of this group of musicians out here that gets to perform for things like that. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps, and we're speaking to Sarah Chaffee, professional cellist known to deliver unconventional cello artistry. Well, it's great, and it's funny because people think of strings, and it goes back to your mission. The, the immediate thought is classical, and that's it, but it, it applies to a lot of these different genres. I mean, you're talking about metal, you talk about country mm -hmm. music, uh, Latin yeah. music. Is there anything that you would like to do that you haven't had a, a chance yet, but you got in the back of your mind, boy, would I love to try X? Is there anything like that? <laughs> um, honestly, I feel very lucky in that I really do usually get to do the kinds of stuff that I've always wanted. 
Uh, I haven't really done anything yet in the areas of rap and hip hop. Um, but actually recently I, I did record a short sample for a song like that. So I guess that kind of counts. <laughs> yeah, I think but, it would. And I think it would, it'll end up being a good fit. You just have to find that right song and that right act where it can work together. But a big part of that whole genre is, is sampling music. I think it, it, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's one of the great things about the magic that they can work in the recording studio, you know? <laughs> you can lay some stuff down and they can transform it into something that you wouldn't have even thought of. Well, now, you say you work with, you have some friends that do strings and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any is there any instrument you say, boy, you know, if it wasn't for uh, what I do now, I would love that. You know, it just kind of fascinates you for its sound and so forth? Well, I actually did, at one point last year, purchase a very cheap violin as something <laughs> to help occupy myself during quarantine. Um, I would, I definitely would not mind knowing more about how to play the violin and viola because I love playing the cello, but first of all, we're not very mobile. Um, you know, we're generally <laughs> stuck in one place the whole time. And I, I see my violinist friends walking around and dancing and everything while they're playing. And I do get a little bit jealous. Um, and of course, it is also a lot easier to carry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I think I think it would be fun to kind of pick up some violin and viola skills along the way. We'll see if I end up having time. <laughs> well, if you if you're walking around the airport, we know who you are because <laughs> you don't miss that. You know? Yeah, it's funny because when I travel with my electric cello, it actually fits perfectly into a hard golf club case and oh. that's how i transport my electric when i fly um but it's kind of funny because then i do get comments from people in the airport about like oh i play golf too or whatever and i just kind of nod and smile like yeah golf is great <laughs> <laughs> more with sarah chaffee who's played with among others aerosmith disturbed motley crew lady antebellum Celine Dion and David Perico's Pop String Orchestra in just a moment. When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do, and I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas, but by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. It's a lot of fun. The staff there is incredible. Really unique Las Vegas experience, so you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. Make sure to listen to Sports Rockin' Tours, which follows Vegas Never Sleeps in most markets. If your station doesn't carry it, call them and ask them to carry the Sports Rockin' Tours. In the meantime, go to Sports RACX wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports RACX. You're listening now to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. 
e-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. You are listening to Sarah Chaffee, an in-demand performer and recording artist in Las Vegas. Well, we talked about arranging. Uh, in terms of recording, do you have, uh, do you have any s- secret album that you'd back in your mind go, you know, before I'm done with this stuff, I'd like to release an album of some of this uh, because I think the appeal is really there. People just have to know about it. Yeah. I mean, I have thought a lot before about potentially doing an actual real album of some of my arrangements. And I do actually get a lot of requests from people for, you know, the MP3 of some of the recordings that I have up on YouTube. Uh, but it's, you know, in this day and age, it's kind of not as lucrative as it has been before to do studio recordings, but with streaming and everything, there's just, there's not quite as much profit. So I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I have talked with my friend, Crystal. Uh, She owns this company, Premier Wedding Music, that I work for often. And we have kind of talked about maybe doing an album sometime of some of the wedding favorites that have become popular on YouTube. So hopefully one day we can make that happen. Yeah, I love that. Now, getting back to your weddings, and again, I think it would be a great idea if I got married again, but I'm very happy right now married, so I don't want, unless we're going to do a, a re-up, and, and, yeah, and I'll yeah. keep that in mind. But, yeah, we can play for your vow renewal. Yeah, right? okay. I've proposals, you know, it's not that different. I, I like that, I like that. Well, tell me, if you're... Um, you have a list. Which ones are the favorites? I remember back in the old days, it was Billy Joel's "Just the Way You Are" and stuff. Mm-hmm. I imagine things have changed. So, what are the mo- what are the ones that people really want more than anything else? Actually, it's funny because you can tell that the millennial generation, which I am a part of, is the one who are primarily getting married these days because boy band songs are actually really popular right now. Wow. Um, we get a lot of requests for NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Which is fun, and their their music actually does translate surprisingly well to strings. But another one you might not have thought about is um, there's usually a lot of requests from whatever TV show is really popular at the time. Like there was a while a few years ago when the theme from Game of Thrones oh. was requested at almost every one that I played. And these days, it's actually the theme from The Mandalorian show. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Any old favorites of somebody a guy would know back from the 70s, 80s, 90s? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do, we do still get a lot of Beatles requests, too. Uh, like, I Want to Hold Your Hand is a really popular one for weddings and Can't Buy Me Love. And there are some, some other older songs that people just keep coming back to again and again um your song by elton john is one that's still really popular 
uh, yeah, it's kind of it's a wide range these days, honestly. Well, it would be fun to challenge you because I, I saw I was looking at your YouTube and you had "Stand by Me" and I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's not gonna that's not gonna transport very well. Just just thinking of the Benny King. <laughs> Works great. So, you know, I, was like, I don't think she could pull this off. You did. So uh, have you run into anything, uh, Sarah, that you said, oh, I tried. I just can't make this work. It, it isn't. It doesn't work. Sometimes that does happen. And then those are the ones that I end up not putting the sheet music up for sale because I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll keep this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep this one away from the general public. It's It's weird with some of the modern songs because. Sometimes things end up working out great, and then within the same genre, some something else might not work. Like, for example, one of my favorite charts that I've written was actually um, We Found Love by Rihanna, right. and that one ended up working out great for string ensemble. However, I also at one point tried to do another Rihanna song with Calvin Harris, uh, This Is What You Came For. And for some reason, I just could not make that one work, and I ended up hating it. So I think a lot of it comes down to the specific song. And one of the, I think one of my recent favorites, I kind of mentioned it a little before, but uh, a video that I just recorded recently with some of my friends was All of the Lights by Kanye West for String Quartet. Mm -hmm. And that's another one where, you know, it's very, it's a very intense song. There's a lot of different layers in it, and the majority of them are not strings. Uh, there's a lot of percussion. There's a lot of effects. And when I first heard it, I was baffled about what I was going to do with it. And then somehow, once I started working on it, it became one of my favorite things ever. And I love how it turned out. So that one will be going up online very soon. I love when that happens. <laughs> well, we, we are going to look for that. Sarah, what a pleasure. I, I can't wait to come out. Hopefully you guys are going to be back out of the Caesars pretty soon. Yes, I hope so too. And in the meantime, we actually do have a live stream show uh, on May 2nd. It's a Disney themed show. And um, so there's going to be tickets for that so you can watch the live stream available online. And there's a few in-person tickets too. They're doing limited in-person seating for that. So that show should be a lot of fun. And then hopefully in June, Caesars will reopen the lounges and we'll be back with Pop Strings at Cleopatra's Barge. Well, we will, we will get back and talk with you then when you're, when you're ready to go on that. In the meantime, in May, I guess we can go to your website and find out how to get tickets and stuff. So give us your website. What's the best way to find out what you're doing? Ah, so my website is cellobat.com, C-E-L-L-O, B as in boy, A, T as in Thomas, dot com. And I do have information up there about a lot of the stuff that I do. I have uh, actually a whole list on one page of all of the sheet music that I currently have available for sale. And then if you look under those, you can find links to my recordings of them, too, which will take you to my YouTube page. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at cellobat, same thing. And... I will be posting there very frequently about everything that's coming up, for sure. That sounds great. And if I want to hire you for a wedding, I think it's a great idea. How do we do that? <laughs> so for weddings, I actually work with uh, Premier Wedding and Event Music, which is an amazing company run by my friend Crystal. And so actually on my website, I do have a page for booking. And on there, I have the website for Premier, and I have Crystal's direct email. So as far as booking weddings, that's a great way to do it. Sarah, thank you so much. Can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Time now to talk about wine. 
Perhaps you'd like to bring your own to your favorite restaurant. Well, America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin, says that's fine, but he has some recommendations. Eddie, what about bringing your own bottle to a restaurant? People talk about it. Some people are kind of afraid to do it. Do the people at the restaurant get angry? What do you think about that? Well, let's face it. Wines in restaurants are expensive, and they have to be because they have to buy them in advance and store them and buy glassware and pay for broken glassware and pay the staff to serve it. So some people, (laughs) I mean, you see all different sides. Some people might bring a bottle of wine to the restaurant to save money, you know. Well, okay. If you're going to do that, a couple of things. Um, Don't bring a cheap wine because you're going to look cheap. Certainly don't bring a wine that's already on their wine list, and you can look at any decent restaurant, and their wine list is online, so you can look and see there. So bring a bottle of wine that's kind of nice, you know, something you've saved up that you'd like. Bring a wine that's not on their wine list, and when you come in, um, I could go much more in-depth on what I should prepare. You might want to decant the wine at home. Uh, you want to bring the wine in already decanted in the bottle so they don't have to decant it. That's called double decanting that we, we talk about. You might want to chill the red wine. Later in the show, you'll learn that all red wine needs to be served at cellar temperature, not room temperature, because red wine tastes better slightly cool. All these things. But here's the one ticket. You bring a bottle of wine to the restaurant. First thing I would do is I'd order a cocktail. Spend some money first. You know, show them that you're not, you're not a cheapskate. You know, bring a wine in that's kind of unique, maybe something special for you and your wife's anniversary, who knows what. And when they, and then you ask them, could you bring us a, um, Three glasses. Why three glasses? Well, one for you, one for your wife, and one that you can pour a little sample, an ounce or two of your wine you brought in for the guy who's serving it to you, the psalm. Because these psalms um, enjoy every night getting little tastes of wines that perhaps they have never had before or that are rare wines or expensive wines. And they'll save them to the end of the service night and taste them all at the end of the night. And it gives them little little sampler cups of things to try as if they were cheat sheets or something like that because a lot of these people are trying to work their way up the ladder to become a a certified sommelier or an advanced sommelier. And the only way they can learn this is by tasting a lot of wine, and that's expensive. So if you give them a little sample of what you brought, um, I would be surprised if they even charge you a corkage fee and you know the price they charge to open your bottle which is somewhere between 15 and 25 dollars usually um and that's fair i don't mind paying that either but sometimes they'll get, they'll waive the corkage or they'll lower it because you've been nice to them well thanks eddie coming up next is sports rock and tours if your local station doesn't carry it go to sports racx wherever you listen to podcasts that sports racx is short for Sports Rockin' Tours. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rockin' Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Oh, Vegas, here we go!